0: Hello and welcome to On Walking the Way. This week we're continuing our series on the return of the king. Today we're going to be looking at the idea of knowing the day and the hour. So today I'm going to get a bit more technical than usual since a lot has been written and said about the second coming over the years. I would like to slow down a bit and really look at this passage and its context to see what it says and also what it does not say. But don't give up. Before I finish, I'll bring this back to walking the way of Jesus. So from Matthew 24 we read, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This passage is part of a much larger dialogue that Jesus had with his disciples regarding the destruction of the temple, his second coming, final judgment, and the coming full realization of the kingdom of God. This whole conversation starts with a statement by Jesus that the beautiful temple that the disciples were admiring was going to be thoroughly destroyed. This set of prophecies and parables in Matthew 24 and 25 are in response to the following two questions from the disciples. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? As we go through this passage today, and many of the passages in the weeks to come, it's important to remember what questions Jesus was answering for his disciples. Since two questions were asked, it's not always obvious what Jesus is referring to in his responses. I think it can be shown that he's responding to both of these questions, but he alternates from one to the other. For example, in the two passages just prior to this one, he says the following things. I'll summarize because the passages are a bit long. In verses 29 and 31, he speaks of the sun and moon being darkened a sign in the heavens of the Son of Man. He describes how the tribes of the earth will mourn, how the Son of Man will come in the clouds, and that his angel will be sent out to the four winds to gather the elect. It's hard to see this language as a description of the destruction of the temple. So, no matter how fanciful your interpretation is, it's clearly a response to the second question they asked regarding the sign of his coming and the end of the age. However, in the very next passage, he changes his focus. In verses 32 and 35, his focus is not on the tribes of the earth, but something much closer to home, as he says, when you see, basically referring to the things he was describing earlier regarding the destruction of the temple and the tribulations surrounding that event, then you know that he, in other words, not Jesus, is at the gate, the gate of the city, presumably. He goes on to say that this present generation shall not pass away until all these things are accomplished. And we know from history that that generation was in fact still around in 70 AD when the temple in Jerusalem were destroyed. So, In the course of these two consecutive paragraphs, Jesus has discussed the answers to both of the disciples' queries. The question then becomes, which event is Jesus discussing in the paragraph we are examining today? Is it the hour of destruction that awaits Jerusalem, or is it the hour of Christ's return that is being described? In today's passage, Jesus repeatedly states that it is the time of the coming of the Son of Man that is unknown. He is describing a normal day where people are working and getting married, not a gruesome siege that ends in the fiery destruction of the temple and the city. And as in the earlier passage where the angels were sent out to gather his elect, we see in this passage that some are taken while others are left. And the passage closes with a strong warning that the disciples, and we, must stay awake because the Son of Man is coming on a day we do not expect. And if you think about the fall of Jerusalem, it came as no surprise after a terrible three-year siege by the Roman army. So again, I think we're looking at the coming of Jesus. So, how are we to live in the light of such an unknown day? There are many more details in this passage, to be sure, but the gist of this prophetic warning is very clear, and it is directed to the disciples, not the city of Jerusalem that is about to be judged. I always like to work from the big picture down to the details, so let's start with the main idea of this passage. The simple overarching message is to stay awake. The uncertainty of the day underlines how important it is to stay awake at all times. But what is staying awake? This passage does not really elaborate, but Paul gives what I consider to be commentary on this teaching of Jesus in his first letter to the Thessalonians. So let me quote here. but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God is not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is speaking to a church far from Jerusalem, consisting of mainly Gentiles, so I think it's safe to say Paul was not describing the fall of Jerusalem. But the day will come without warning, according to Paul, and he gives the Thessalonians the same advice that Jesus gave his disciples. His advice is simple. Paul describes keeping awake as sobriety, faith, love, and the hope of salvation. So let's look at faith. Faith in the all-sufficiency of the work of Christ is the beginning and the end of our walk on the way of Jesus. We must never stray from this fundamental truth. Faith connects us to the grace of Jesus and moves us to action to extend that grace to others. And sobriety... While the meaning of this is obvious in the sense of excess alcohol consumption, I doubt that is all that is intended here. The world is in darkness. The world is asleep. The world is intoxicated with any number of distractions that blunt its awareness of and the response to the truth. We must remain sober in a world that would rather think about anything other than the coming kingdom of God we must stay focused on Jesus and his coming kingdom in a deeply distracted world. And love, as we have discussed many times before, is benefiting others at my expense. The love we give to others is one of the main channels of God's love in day-to-day life. As we love others, we reflect the love of God and demonstrate the reality of God's kingdom to the world. Love is the primary work of the believer. It is the outward sign of our inward faith and a demonstration of our hope in Christ. And hope, as we have discussed last week, lies underneath our Christian walk in many ways. We take hope for granted often, I think, because it is such a big part of our motivation to do anything every day. Everything we do that involves the future, whether it's later today or a hundred years from now, is based on a hope of some sort. We literally can't live without hope. But the hope that is in Jesus is on a whole different level. This is an eternal hope. This is a hope with substance. Our hope is more than just a vague belief that things will work out. We hope in the one that died and rose again. The one that healed the sick and raised the dead. The eternal Son of God was the pattern of creation and the foundation of the age to come. Jesus humbled himself and gave his life for us. There is nothing more to prove. Our hope is sure. This week, let's encourage each other to excel in the daytime works of faith, love, and hope keeping each other awake and sober as we navigate together the madness of a world living in denial of the God that created it and his son who gave his life to save it. Jesus is going to return, and although we have no idea when, it really doesn't matter, because until then, we have plenty to do if we stay awake. So once again, have a great week.